Agua. Here's the Rick Sanchez good list. I'm good at this and this and this and this. Here's the Rick Sanchez bad list. I suck at this and this and this and this. Which is more important to put attention on? The good list and accentuating those things or the bad list, which are the things that I need to fix and making sure I pay attention to them. This is so interesting, Rick, because you know, here's the thing. The mind is preconditioned to focus on the negative all the time. So, for example, we constantly focus on the negative that other people are uh, doing. So we walk around correcting our spouses and correcting our kids and correcting other people for everything they do wrong. And we dismiss everything good that they do. The same thing applies to us. You know, we tend to focus on what we're not good at and dismiss what we're good at. I'm saying let's flip it. Let's flip it. Focus and capitalize on what you're good at, even if it's one thing. I'm Rick Sanchez, and this is the Rick Sanchez Podcast, and we talk about growth because we all need to learn how to be able to adapt to our surroundings, especially when we are uncomfortable. And that's really about growth, right? How do you feel comfortable? Well, you grow into the situation. You know, I, I'm i Latino, and I always felt like I went to good schools, but, you know, I, I didn't go to, you know, a private school. My parents made... My parents' combined income was like ten or eleven thousand dollars a year. Ten or eleven thousand dollars a year. That's with dad working two jobs and mom sewing shoes at a factory. So I grew up with parents who barely were able to, you know, as they say, rub a couple of nickels together. And yet we were able to get a good education. We went to our public school, which was near our house, Mayam Walters Elementary School, Filer Junior High School, Hialeah Senior High School. These are fine schools. And uh, as a result, I got a pretty good education. I was at the top of my class. But let's just say that being at the top of your class in a public school in a barrio is not the same as going to, you know, American Heritage or one of those other schools where parents pay for their kids to go to school there upwards of, you know, 20, 25, 30 who knows, $40,000 a year. If you're listening to us from New York and you're a parent, you know, or you know somebody who's a friend of yours who went to one of those schools. It's crazy. They pay more these days for grammar school for little kids in second grade than some colleges cost. But they know that by putting them there, at least they're going to have a better chance of being real smart and knowing stuff, right? So that's the world we live in. So if you're, if you're a You know, if you're African-American, if you're Latino, if you're a kid from the South and your parents didn't have all that money and, you know, it's not about your skin color. It's not about, it's just about the conditions you grow grow up in, right? You know, maybe you're a low-income person. Uh, It doesn't matter, again, whether you're Latino or not. It just so happens that most of us Latinos grew up in those situations. I mean, Scotty, you you grew up with a little bit, right? I mean, you you grew up in Jersey. You grew up in New Jersey, right? I was yeah, in New Jersey, we definitely had a great uh, great school system, public school system. So, you know, the town we lived in, you know, had a higher income. Uh, however, when I moved to Florida when I was 13, you know, to, to reveal a little bit, you know, as my parents filed for bankruptcy, uh, their business kind of didn't do too, you know, ended up not doing too well in the mid-90s. So we moved to Florida. 
And, uh, you know, the school system that I ended up in was not as good of a school system. The neighborhood was not as good of a neighborhood. <laughs> the classmates were not as good, you know, from a, a, from a discipline standpoint. And, uh, you know, so in that sense, you know, I got the best of both almost. Yeah. When you were a little kid and your parents are kind of well off. Yeah. You, you were in a really good system. By the way, New Jersey has the best public schools in the United States, according to most of the metrics that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, Florida doesn't necessarily have yeah. the best, but you know, it's not about, I'm not here to judge the schools. I'm just saying right. all of us grow up in situations where we suddenly find ourselves wondering whether we need to better ourselves. And look, mm -hmm. I, I just want to share something with you. That happened with me when I finally went to the university of Minnesota because I got a football scholarship. And when I was there, I realized I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't smart enough. I, I I was going to learn journalism and literature, and I was competing with students who were just ahead of me. And I saw it right away because when I would be assigned essays to write for class, I noticed that my stuff kind of sucked. And it was filled with malaprops and the tense was wrong and syntax was wrong and grammar was wrong and spelling was wrong. And I realized that I needed to improve in that area. And why am I saying this to you? Because just because you don't know doesn't mean you can't know. Just because you don't have a skill set doesn't mean you can't get that skill set. You can make yourself more valuable, but it has to be a conscious decision that you make to be more valuable. So let me just share with you what I did because I think this is a really important part of the story. When I realized that I didn't have that skill set, yeah, I communicated well. I've always been pretty good at communicating because I grew up in a generation where we watched TV and I copied the broadcasters and the newscasters and the really smart people and I learned to talk like them. But if you asked me to write down what I was saying, you would find a lot of spelling errors. You would find a lot of problems. And by the way, when you get to college and they ask you to write an essay, they don't care if you speak well. What they care is if you write well. And I've come to realize in my life that if you can take dominion of writing, for me, right? You, your challenge may be something else. For me, I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to be a communicator. How the hell am I going to be a broadcaster if I don't know how to write effectively? And I, and I made that realization a long time ago in my life. I was at my freshman year in college. I was at Moorhead State University. And I noticed most of the kids were better writers than me. And I knew that if I continued down this path, I was going to have a hard time. So I went to the school bookstore and I bought the Prentice Hall Handbook for Writers. It was a book about this thick, maybe an inch and a half, kind of short though, because it was a, like a writer's edition. And it was kind of a guide. It's the book that people have. Like if you go to a, a journalist at the, New, at the Los Angeles Times, right? or the New York Times, or the Miami Herald, and you go to their desk or their office, they're going to have that, right, Jerry? You're going to have the, the the Prentice Hall Handbook for Writers. It's there. It's in the back. It's like a, in the old days, we all had dictionaries. Today, we don't need a dictionary because, you know, we got the Googles and stuff. But eventually, everybody used to have a dictionary, a Prentice Hall Handbook for Writers, and you just, it's a reference book. That's what it's called. It's a reference book. You have it in the background in case you ever need to look something up. Well, guess what? I didn't use mine as a reference book. I went and bought that book, and I read it 
from cover to cover. And then I read it again from cover to cover. And I became an expert on syntax, on grammar, on spelling, on usage, everything you could possibly imagine. I said, no one will ever say about Rick Sanchez, his writing sucks. I think to this day, and I hold people to account on it, including you, Scotty, and including you, Jerry. If you write something for me and it's sloppy or misspelled or your tense is wrong, or you have malaprops or whatever you have in there, I'm telling you, for me, uh, we're going to have a conversation because it, 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 may, it, it just says something right, right, right away about you. Listen, I tell my kids, and I believe in this, if you send a text, spell it right. If you send, yeah. by the way, sentences have periods for a reason. And sentences begin capitalized for a reason. And certain words are capitalized for a reason. And those things say everything about you. And if you want to succeed, I started to realize back then, I needed to know that. And, and I'm telling you this, not because I'm showing off, big freaking deal, right? Big, big freaking deal. I'm telling you this because I realized that I needed to increase my value. And my way of increasing my value was to buy a book and read it from cover to cover three or four different times until I knew that stuff. So I was almost nerdy about it. Then I went and bought a second book called The Elements of Style by Strunk and White. The Elements of Style by Strunk and White. And Jerry's sitting here, you're, you're, you're nodding your head. We all were told, you got to read that book, Old Strunk and White, those sons of bitches, man. They wrote the greatest book. If you, you want to be a good writer, you got to read that book. Well, I read that book, and I read that book, and I read that book, and I kept it by my side everywhere I went. And then I learned to practice what I'm doing right now. I'm looking at you, and I'm talking to this camera. And I feel really comfortable talking to the camera. I feel like I'm talking to a friend. In fact, right now I'm looking at Scotty and he looks really cute. I need to shave a little bit. But I'm comfortable talking to a camera. Why? Because when I was just like 20, 21 years old, which is 150,000 years ago, it seems, I told myself every day for 45 minutes, you will look into your bathroom mirror and you will have a conversation with it. And I would go and sit in my bathroom mirror in my dormitory like a crazy person. And I would have long engaged conversations with myself where I would be looking at myself in the mirror. And then I would actually do reports and I would sing out. And I would say, <laughs> reporting live for NBC News, I'm Richard Sanchez. Reporting live for CBS, I'm Rick Sanchez. This is Rick Sanchez. Let me tell you what happened just moments ago. And I would just practice talking in my mirror every single day. And I disciplined myself to be able to do that every day. And I talked and I talked and I talked until I felt comfortable with the sound of my voice and with what I looked like. I was looking into my own eyes, just like I'm looking into my own eyes right now while I'm looking at you. That's all I did. But I did it and I did it and I did it. Why? Because I wanted to create value. I wanted to create value for myself that I didn't have. I was a freaking refugee kid, an immigrant who grew up in a barrio with parents, one of which has a fourth grade education, a mother who was sewing shoes in a factory, a father who had three jobs and he was a busboy and he cleaned uh, the floors at the Barcelona Hotel next to the Fountain Blue and near the Eden Rock in Miami Beach. And they were just regular people and the greatest people in the world. There's nobody who will ever be better than my father. 
when it comes to goodness and kindness, his heart and everything he gave to me. But it was limited. So the rest I had to do on my own. So I taught myself to be a public speaker. Just me, 45 minutes every night with my bathroom mirror. I taught myself to be a good writer by memorizing Prentice Hall Handbook for Writers. I taught myself to be a stylistic writer, to understand tone, to understand pitch, and all those things that are so important by reading The Elements of Style by Strunk and White. I I made a conscious decision that I had to do that. For you, it could be that you don't know enough about accounting and you want to start a business and you don't know the difference between gap and some other measure. It could be that you want to understand something about the law, but you don't, and you need to read up on, you know, at least something about the law so you don't make stupid mistakes and end up paying for it. Maybe it's investing. Maybe it's banking. I don't know. But when you decide what it is, you can't just pretend it's going to fall off a tree and hit you on the top of the head. You have to seek it. You have to go after it. You got to have a plan. And then you got to have a mission. And then you got to have a vision. And then you got to have a goal. And those things are just important. I mean, they come along with each other. I mean, it does you no good to have a goal if you don't have a step, first step, right? My first step is, oh, my God. My professor would write on my essays. Well, <laughs> I felt like he was saying, you are a freaking moron. <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, you, know, you know, when there's so much red on the paper and yeah. things and wigglies and squigglies. And it was like, oh, shit. What am I going to do? How am I even going to graduate? So um, what am I talking about? There's this thing in life that's called growth. Growth can only come with one thing and one thing only. It comes with value. So you have to spend time figuring out how you can create value for yourself. And and, and you have to be disciplined to find that value. And I can give you other examples. And I think examples go a long way. And I'm going to share those with you as we go. But I think it's important to um, spend time talking about different methodologies that have worked for different people. And look, this work, I don't know if this is going to work for you, but I know it worked for me. I went from being a poor refugee immigrant kid who was lucky enough to get a football scholarship and went to Minnesota and probably would have dropped out if he would not have made those decisions to the first Latino newscaster in the history of the United States with his own namesake show and eventually the founder of a company that he took public with his partners. That's a pretty cool thing. Why did that happen many, many years later, decades later? Because I made those decisions early on, right? because I made those decisions early on. And when Scotty, you and I were first toiling at this thing called uh, a radio show, which I had never done also, yeah. and, and we were learning it, right? I was learning it more than you were, but yeah. you were kind of coaching me. I knew as well that I had to pour myself into that to understand it. And I sucked at first. And part of the problem of creating value, rule number one in creating value is recognize what you need to change. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And and boy, I mean, you can take people through what those were. I I didn't understand how close I had to be to the mic. 
I didn't understand how to go into break. I didn't understand how to bring in a, a, a caller. No, I didn't understand how to I can end tell you the, the biggest pet peeve for me was in the beginning was the clock, the time. And what people may not realize that just listen to radio or television is the clock is so important. Your timing mm -hmm. to the second. And you had no concept of that in the beginning. And I would constantly, after the show, get chewed out by our program director. Uh, he went late on this break. He went late on this segment. You got to get, we had to knock these, these spots out, you know? Yeah, so. so, and by the way, for those of you who don't know, so when, when <laughs> there was a time in my life when I left CNN or CNN left me, as we know, and I ended up with a gig working for iHeartRadio in South Florida. And I was sandwiched like in between Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity or Glenn Beck or one of those guys, which was interesting because it was a very large audience. And they put me in there because I was, a, you know, I, I had to be pretty glib. I had a brand because everybody knew me on because from watching me from TV. But that didn't mean I knew what the hell I was doing. Right. Radio is a craft like everything mm -hmm. else. Radio is a, just because you can give a speech doesn't mean you can be on TV. Just because you can be on TV doesn't mean you can be give a speech. Just because you can be an actor in a soap opera uh, doesn't mean you can be on uh, on um, you know in, in a theatrical performance on Broadway. Right. It's this guy can talk. Oh, we'll put him there to talk. No, it's a different talk. So yeah. when when I was cast in the role of a talk show host, I soon realized that I didn't have the skill set to be a talk show host. And what Scotty's talking about is so true. You have to know that exactly 13 minutes, you have to sig out, you have to tease the next break, you mm -hmm. have to mm -hmm. do whatever the hell you have to do, but it has to happen at 13, not at 14, yeah. not at 17, because if you go an extra three or four minutes, guess what happens? You miss the commercial, the viewers, I mean, the listeners are all beclamped yep. and everything goes to hell, not to mention your ratings go to yeah, shit. Yeah, that's the big thing. Yep. So yep. I didn't They're, know that. So Right. And, and nor would you going into that. But, you know, you're somebody that I can tell just from knowing you for the last 10 plus years, you're somebody that has that realization. You have that, you know, you have that self-awareness. And in something like you were describing a little bit ago about writing when you were in college, you know, you had that self-awareness because it was on the red dot lines on your paper. How would you give the advice to somebody that may not have that in their face so much? You know, if I, if well, I have a simple. job that it's I'm But it's simple. The, the most... The, the, the best advice that I can give to you, if you are listening to me right now, is do a accurate self-analysis of your skill set. Mm. Make a list of the things you believe you do well and the things you believe you don't do well. Then look at that list and prioritize from that list which things are number one, number two, number three. In other words, on your bad list, yeah. what do I do worse? That's your priority. That's what you mm -hmm. need to fix. If your grammar really sucks, and every time some somebody in your office or your business or wherever asks you for something written and they come back to you and say, what the hell are you even talking about? You got to fix that. Mm -hmm. You got to fix that. <laughs> if, if, if it's that you, every time you have to do a presentation in front of the group while you guys are having meetings, uh, in our business, it's an editorial meeting or whatever, and you can't even express yourself without people getting nervous for you and looking down because you're sounding silly, you got to fix that. So those, those, are, and then, and the good things, the things you say, you know what? I look good. I present well. I speak well. I, whatever. 
you know, mm-hmm. those, you should know what they are and accessorize them, you know, uh, make them even better. But it's that simple, really. It's two lists. It's my bad list and my good list. What do I got to do to make my bad list really good to fix my bad list? And, and what do I have to do to accentuate my good list? That's it. That's value. When you do those two things, yeah. you become more valuable. And, and value is, you know what value is? You know what value is? It's money. Value is money. Value is money. When, when, we, when you get hired, when you're looking to hire somebody, you're looking at their value. What yeah. is their value to me? What is their value to my company? So mm-hmm. if, if we all go in looking at it that way, we can't help but uh, improve ourselves. And in the process, we'll probably do better financially yeah. as well, right? Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny as you're saying that, and you're right, it is about money, but I can't help but think value is also to your life, to your, to your, your well-being. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to improve your communication skills, you might have a better relationship with your significant other. Mm-hmm. You might be a, you might be able to be a better parent to your children because again with children it's easy to get pissed off it's easy to fly off the handles but they're children they don't know so if you're not communicating with them properly you, you, so, so the value is not just the financial which is obviously the the most obvious but it's also just a a, a wellness of life a betterment of of your mental state and your your relationships and sometimes believe it or not you have to take the choice that gives you value instead of wealth to get to mm. the wealth. Sometimes you want to take the internship that doesn't pay you, not if they're going to use you as a gopher, but (laughs) if you have an opportunity tomorrow to intern with the person that you admire the most, I don't know, let's suppose you want to be a sports agent. I'm just pulling that out of nowhere. You want to be a sports agent and you're lucky enough to come across somebody who's probably the most prolific sports agent in America, let's say. And his clientele is uh, Tom Brady and you name it, right? Right. Tua and this guy and that guy. And they probably have all the best stars and their outfit manages uh, tens of millions of dollars daily in uh, contracts. Well, guess what? And somehow the guy says to you, hey, Scotty, I can't pay you, but we could use you here in the office and you can be a part of what we're doing every day. Do you take that? <laughs> I, I mean, I would. Yeah. I would. I mean, but I, yeah, I don't think, a lot, I, I don't want to I say mean, half right? the people wouldn't, but I think a lot of people wouldn't. A lot of people would say, oh, but I'm not going to get paid. They don't see the value in, in, in that experience. Well, that's a decision you have to make based on what you right. can. But I mean, the, the, the value is there. Yes, 100%. I mean, even when I worked in radio for many years, when I first started working with you, I was still making a part-time salary at that point. I was driving from Palm Beach County to Miami every single day, 60 miles back and forth every single day. My paycheck after taxes most of the time was about 450, 500 bucks. That's it. Yeah, and and we have to be careful with this because I don't want to uh, give the impression to people, and this happens a lot in the media, where young people are taken advantage of mm. and they use them as gophers and they right. do nothing for and them. And I was. Yeah. And I was, not yeah. by you. Right. But I was. But at the same time, I, I'm somebody that, I mean, personally, I know I've always seen the bigger picture a little bit deeper than a lot of times what I see around me. So I was able to know that me being inside of that building, 
making the connections that I was making, doing the jobs that I was doing, working with the technology I was doing would pay off long term. And so far, I've been very fortunate. You, that it you has. did. You, to this day, who do I call when I can't figure something out? Who <laughs> oh, do yeah. I call you with call any, me, anything? I'm no matter what video, time of day. Right. Huh? Yeah. Why what, do you think no matter you what are the day. Like, you're one of my best friends in the world. Part of it is because I'm, <laughs> I'm needy. It's like yeah. my wife says, "You and Scotty, you make you 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 make me laugh." Yeah, I will call you and say, "Scotty, I don't. Know, how do you do this? And how do you make this microphone work? And what kind of microphone yeah. should I buy? And what kind of system? And I can't get my Mac to to, to you know to 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 work with my other uh, app that I'm and and you. How do I take a picture? How do I? You yeah. you have learned these things because that's where you live for. A long time when you were right. working with Paul and Ron, you literally. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. You, you, and another you, important thing to, as you're saying that, it, it reminds me is, is to be flexible because also not only did I learn how to do these things, these technical things, but I have to know now how to communicate to you because to communicate with you versus somebody else I've worked for in the past, it's two different people. Mm -hmm. So I need to be flexible. I need to be, you know, like the Bruce Lee quote, water. I need to be able to do those things so I can accurately and successfully work with somebody like you or somebody like I've been in the past. Because again, the information I give to you could be considered belittling to other people where you're taking it as constructive. Those things are so important in understanding because another part of value is your attitude. I mean... Mm. Let's face it, there are, you, you could memorize uh, Prentice Hall Handbook for Writers, all 350 pages, and you could also read every day, Strunk and White, The Elements of Style, and you could become a perfect speaker. But if people are uncomfortable around you because you haven't learned the art of creating relationships, then you also are missing a skill set. So, yeah. the, you know, the, there's a lot of skill sets that have to do. I always use the example of the guy who works at McDonald's and he has the lowest job on the totem pole. He has to take, take the grease pan after they fry all those burgers and take it to the bin in the back and throw it away. And that's all he does. And he's wondering whether he's providing enough value. And then he realizes one day that he's probably the most valued employee there. And as a result, he's now been promoted three times and he's no longer the guy who just takes the grease pan every day out there. Why? Because every day when he was taking the grease pan out to the bins in the back, he whistled and he sang and he made people feel so good. True. And they looked at him and said, he's got a smile on his face. He's got a song in his heart. We like that guy but he's just the kid who throws out the trash. Yeah, guess what? That kid ended up running the McDonald's. That kid ended up being a regional manager for McDonald's. And now he owns three of the McDonald's himself and he's a millionaire. So that's how you, great, man. you know, that's so great. What was his value? He yeah. had a song in his heart. He had a smile on his face. That's it. Made people, he made people feel good and he loved his job and he had the crappiest job in the place. Yeah, I, that's, that's another really great point because people underestimate what value is sometimes. I, I, I was taught when I was a kid working in the restaurants that it doesn't make a difference what you're doing to always give it 100% because you may not force, you may not see what the value of it is, but there's value there. For example, I can tell you from the inside of working in restaurant industries, if you ever wonder what kind of restaurant it is, look at the bathroom. 
If mm. you go into the bathroom and you see water on the sink and the, the, the mirrors have water really? spots and there's paper towels on the floor, that's somebody that's not putting value into cleaning their bathrooms. What do you think the rest of their, their kitchen is going to look really? back? Is I, yeah, like you've always said like that. You've always, you know, you, you could write a book, things you need to know about <laughs> restaurants, when to walk out and when to stay, right? You gotta that's know one when of those, I'm telling you, that's one of those things. But so, what I'm so, saying so, by so that let's is- So let's go through that. That's interesting because that's a, yeah. that's a giveaway, right? That giveaway, as we yeah. say. Dead so giveaway. when you go into a restaurant, go into the bathroom first. If the bathroom yeah. is dirty, expect you're saying, I think this is what you're saying. I don't want to put words in your mouth. If the bathroom is dirty, there's a good chance her kitchen is dirty. There is a very good chance that the kitchen is dirty, that they're not doing things the way you would want them done in your own home. You and know, you don't want to be eating, all, yeah, you don't want to be eating off of a kitchen where there's crap everywhere and it hasn't been cleaned. Oh my God. No, I mean, I, if, Salmonella. You, if you sit through one, if you sit through one training course that every state makes employ, uh, restaurant employees take, your mind will be blown. And, and literally, I go to restaurants and I'll see things and I'll just be like, ah, I'm not going to eat here tonight or let's just go somewhere else or I'm not ordering from that. Or, you know, you pick things up after years. But, you know, the bathroom thing, that's, that's a dead giveaway, I would say, for restaurants. And that shows the type of employees, the type of management even that they have to motivate the employees. Like I said, I was taught it doesn't make a difference if you're cleaning the toilet because you don't know who's going to sit on that toilet. You don't know who's going to go into that bathroom and say, ooh, this place, you know? And like you were saying, same as the guy with the grease trap. Isn't if somebody's going to the, if judging a restaurant on a bathroom, then damn, man, that's a pretty important job to make sure that bathroom is clean. Isn't that interesting that for yeah. me, my pet peeve is I want people to be able to write effectively and communicate effectively and care about the messages they send me, whether it's a tweet or a text or a, or a, or, or an email or something they wrote for me. It, you know, care enough about your syntax, your grammar. And, and for you, one of yours is that you want to make sure people do their job when it comes to cleanliness. It's all, it's mm -hmm. all about where we come from. By the way, um, I want to introduce somebody now. This is important. This is somebody who is expert in exactly what we're talking about right now. She is the change doctor. You can reach her at drmichellerosen.com. Uh, her latest book is called The Two-Second Decisions. Interesting. Two-second decisions. But she's known again, and I said this before, but I'll say it again. She is the change doctor. Dr. Michelle, it's so nice to have you. So just, I'm curious, two-second decisions. Describe. First of all, hi, Rick, and I'm so glad to join you. Thanks. And I'm so <laughs> And what a wonderful time to talk about two-second decisions and what a wonderful time to talk about making our lives better just now before the holidays and before we wrap up 2022. Yeah. Because, you know, Rick, about like, let's put it this way, probably 100% of the people set up New Year's resolutions by New Year's. And the statistics is that by February, 85% of the people drop them. Hmm. So let's define that what we're talking about today is how not to be among the 85% and how to get among the small group of people that actually know how to set goals, how to make winning decisions, how to get to the life that we all want as we are heading to 2023, which is supposed to be a challenging year, but we can make it a good year. You know, it's interesting. We've, we've spent a lot of the time on this podcast talking about just that. And, you know, I've shared you know, a little bit about myself. I've been lucky enough to interview four presidents of the United States and Fidel Castro and Mikhail Gorbachev. And I've, 
you know, started a billion dollar company and I've had a lot of luck in my life. But when I was a scared little immigrant refugee boy with poor parents who grew up in a barrio and I was lucky enough to get a scholarship and go to school and I found myself there and I realized everybody there was a hell of a lot smarter than me. So I I, I did some things where I needed to change. My professor's would return my essays and there was more red on the page than anything else because I was a crappy writer. So what I did was I went to the bookstore and I bought Prentice Hall Handbook for Writers and I read it and I read it and I memorized it. So I got my syntax and my grammar correct. And then I did several other things. I read Strunk and White's Elements of Style. I practiced in front of the mirror every day for sometimes hours on end until I felt comfortable that I could be a communicator. And then I grew up and became the anchor at CNN and Fox News and NBC. But all those things happened later in my life, I think because I made a decision to add value to myself with very specific concrete things, not dreams, not ideas, not plans. I actually bought a book and memorized it. And that made me a better writer. And that kind of led the way toward all the other crap that that later on happened in my life. I used that as an example earlier. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. I mean, Rick, we make about, the average person makes about 35,000 decisions a day. Hmm. So what you did that was very smart is not just making a good decision. It's you focused on what mattered the most at that time, because a lot of people mistake being busy to making progress, but that's not how it works. You can be busy, 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 but actually go backwards or just stay in the same place. What you've done that was very smart is you focused on what matters the most, which is what two second decisions it's all about. It's basically a very simple scaling system from zero to 10 that helps you focus really fast within two seconds. Is this a 10 in your life or is this a one or a two? Hmm. And the risk, Rick, is when people spend major time time on the one and the two and the three and the zero, which don't take them anywhere in life, but they're saying, I'm too busy. I didn't have time to do that. I didn't have time to get the book. I didn't read it. I didn't have time. I didn't take the class. I did not focus in on the other words on my tens. So the brilliant thing in what you've done is you focus on your 10, you put your time there because the time is not unlimited. And our resources, such as our focus, our energy, and our time, hmm. are not unlimited. So you focus on your ten, which is where, uh, which is why where you, are, which is why you are where you are in your career today. So identifying your weaknesses, I imagine, is very important. How do you go through to determine? Because I mean, we all are imperfect. Maybe me more than most, but as we go through life, we realize there's things that we really need to work on. There's things we kind of need to work on and there's things that we're kind of okay on. How do you prioritize those things? First of all, the most important thing is to build on your strength. So if you read my book, Two Second Decisions, I, like you, have many shortcomings and I describe (laughs) a lot of them in my book, Two Second Decisions. For example, I talk about my multitasking and how I burn pot after pot and how my kids never have matching socks in the house. (laughs) But I've built, (laughs) I I gave up on that, but I built very heavily on my strength. And I learned to come to terms with my weaknesses and shortcomings because, you know, you're not going to change yourself, but when you're really good at something and you really capitalize on it, that's outstanding. Sometimes you're going to hire other people to help you with the things that you struggle with. 
Uh, but maybe the approach is, Rick, instead of going against the current and fighting your shortcomings, maybe just to make peace with your shortcomings and really capitalize on what you're super good at. Boy, that's hard. But yet you're absolutely right. Let me talk as a poor guy or a Latino or an yeah. African-American or, you know, some poor kid from who's of Irish descent or where, wherever we are, we always come at things and then we're surrounded by people we think are so much smarter and so much better than us or so much more prepared than us, if nothing else. And we meet, suddenly our shortcomings are heightened, you know, in, yeah. in our own estimation. And, and it kind of gets to you when you're saying, I'm never going to be able to perform at this level in this group because everybody in the, around this table is probably smarter than I am. Oh my God, what the hell do I do? Do I walk away or do I, or do I work on those shortcomings? You're saying first, realize the things that you are that they're not. I oh, think yeah. that's what you're, that's fascinating. Yeah, and, and not only that, but everything that you've just described is a story that you're telling yourself. Who said that you're any less than anybody else in that group? Nobody else but you to yourself. And so that story is interchangeable. You are telling yourself the story that other people are smarter than you, better than you. Um, by all means, you can change that story and say to yourself and, you know, brainwash yourself and say, I am no less than anybody else. And in fact, I'm hungrier than all of them because I'm an immigrant, because I come from mm. uh, lower means, because I have those. I'm going to work harder than anybody else. I don't care. And you know what, Rick? Even if there are some things that you know that you may not know, you are hungrier and more motivated than anybody else. And that is why. Immigrants and people from lower means sometimes get way further hmm. than their colleagues just because of the drive. The human drive is unbelievable. That is fire. And when you have that drive, so, okay, so maybe your language is not perfect. So, okay, so maybe you didn't come from the most, you know, fancy school, but you're going to work harder than anybody else. You've got more fire in your engine and nothing beats that. So what you're saying is to really be able to uh, account for some change in your life is to make sure you accentuate on the things that you have that you may not even know. And I, and I go back to that example. I mean, I, I, I leave Miami, all of a sudden NBC hires me. I'm the first guy to go up to uh, New York. I'm at 30 Rock and I'm surrounded by uh, Tom Brokaw and, uh, and, 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 and the Secretary of Defense for the President of the United States and all of these people, and all of them I know went to Harvard and uh, they went to Cornell and they're all Ivy Leaguers. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing here? And I would literally, true story, I would literally sometimes between newscasts go to the bathroom and throw up because I was so nervous yeah. and so physically uncomfortable. And yet there were people who were still coming to me in management and saying, there's something about you on camera that people like, and we're going to keep working on this thing because they saw it, but I didn't. You know, we, we all have those moments in our life where maybe others may believe in us more than we actually do. How do we get over that? First of all, I'm listening to your story. You listen to them. Sometimes there may be situations where somebody would come to you and say, you're amazing at this and that, and you would dismiss it. So the amazing thing about you, what you've done is you didn't dismiss it. You listened and mm -hmm. you said, 
there must be something to what they're saying. You listened when somebody highlighted one of your strengths and then you kept on working on that. Hmm. Um, so if there's anybody around you who is telling you, hey, you know, you're amazing at writing or, hey, you know, you're a great speaker or, hey, you know, you're really good with money or business or whatever it is, don't dismiss them. Don't think that, you know, don't listen to the people that tell you what you're not. Listen to the people that tell you what you are because look what happened to you. It absolutely works. That's fascinating. So so we make two lists, and I have a list of uh, using myself. Here's the Rick Sanchez good list. I'm good at this and this and this and this. Here's the Rick Sanchez bad list. I suck at this and this and this and this. Which is more important to put attention on? The good list and accentuating those things or the bad list, which are the things that I need to fix and making sure I pay attention to them? This is so interesting, Rick, because, you know, here's the thing. The mind is preconditioned to focus on the negative all the time. Hmm. So, for example, we constantly focus on the negative that other people are uh, doing. So we walk around correcting our spouses and correcting our kids and correcting other people for everything they do wrong. And we dismiss everything good that they do. The same thing applies to us. You know, we tend to focus on what we're not good at and dismiss what we're good at. I'm saying, let's flip it. Let's flip it. Focus and capitalize on what you're good at, even if it's one thing. You're funny? Capitalize on that. You're good looking? Capitalize on that. You know a lot of things about uh, trivia or politics, no matter what it is. I don't care how long your list uh, of things that you suck at is long, how long it is. Mine is very long. I suck at a lot of things. It's not relevant. I make peace with it. I find solutions, but I capitalize on what I'm good at. And that is the biggest differentiator. If I were to hmm. spend my life focusing and trying to fix the things that I suck at, hmm. good luck to me because I would not be where I am today. But you but do, but, 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 but hold on a minute. I'm going to push back just a little bit. Yeah. It is important to correct the things that could diminish you somewhat, right? You should recognize what you're not so good at and do everything you can to improve there, correct? Come to terms with, which means find solutions. If I have, so for example, let's take me. I'm very ADHD, very <laughs> ADHD. <laughs> to a fault, but huh? I've done, yeah. But I've, I've I've done a PhD. So I've done three degrees. I have three kids. I didn't forget any of them, you know, in the car or at school, or I, I'm, a, I'm a very functioning human being. You find solutions. You write yourself note, you, notes. You write down everything. You make to-do lists. You remind yourself in different ways. I'm not saying to disregard your shortcomings. I'm saying if those shortcomings are interrupting your performance, you have to be very aware and mindful of them and find solutions. But if I could do uh, a PhD and be a work working mom for three kids uh, that I love dearly with an ADHD, then nothing is an excuse for nothing. You find the solutions and you keep on working on capitalizing on your strengths. All right. So I'm going to tell you what I see in Dr. Michelle Rosen. So um, you're writing a book. Uh, you have a book. You have a few. Do, you, exactly. Uh, and I'm sure you're probably putting another one together as we speak. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so so you're, you're writing a book. You're appearing on ABC, NBC, CNN, Fox News. Uh, you are meeting with people who you help. 
so you are an entrepreneur. Uh, you've got a lot on your plate. You also have to be a, a mom and a good one at that because anybody can be a mom, but it takes real value in yourself to be a good mom or a good wife or a good husband or a good father or a good son or any of those things. So here's the perhaps most important question that I think we as Americans today, more than any time in our history, has to have to face on any given day. How do we manage our time properly to do the things we must do correctly while giving ourselves time to still be good at the things that make us whole? So um, what I've done with my career, and I'm just adding to what you're saying, Rick, I'm a, I'm a motivational um, keynote speaker. I work with Fortune 500 companies and, and um, speak and uh, motivate at events, which I love to do. So at the end of this journey, you have to love what you do. You have to get up excited every day. Now, time management that you mentioned is a huge component of success. And I'm going to approach it from a different angle. Instead of thinking of it in terms of time management, mm -hmm. I'm going to think of it in terms of prioritizing because we only have only 24 hours a day. And you know what, Rick? Some days are just not very productive days. And that's totally okay. You, we cannot keep beating ourselves to just produce more. So now the question is, wait, 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 I'm, I'm going to stop you there. Cause I have a hard time with that. Maybe I'm just, if you don't mind, I'm going to be selfish and use my own example of that. Sure. When, when I set out to accomplish many things and I, like many of us consider myself a bit of a serial entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, because I've kind of been forced into that because Suddenly, a lot of people have come to me and said, I want you to be a part of this venture, or I want you to help me with this, and I'm going to pay you very well to do this. And, and you take the opportunity. So there could be three, four, or five different things that I'm doing all at once. And I know what those things are. And at the end of the day, I knew that I had a responsibility to somebody who assigned me something who may be paying me upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars for that project. And I realized I didn't get to it. I didn't get to it. I will lose sleep that night and I will not enjoy my time with my wife or my family that night because it'll be sitting in the back of my head. How do I beat that? Well, the question is what you've spent your day on. So in your list, pro providing whatever you needed to provide to that client, that's a 10. So if you spent your day on your twos and your threes and your ones and your fours, and it, you know what, Rick, for some people spending time with their kids, and it was me in many situations would be a 10. So I'm not mm -hmm. saying one thing is more important than the other. Whatever your tens are, just make sure that whatever energy and time you have on that day, you make sure to address your nines and your tens and that you're not spending major time on minor things, that you're not spending your day on your ones and your twos. So, so wait, so tell me how you make that list because you're, you're throwing out these numbers of 10 and two. What's two? What's 10? How do you do that practically? Do you, do you uh, discipline yourself every day to make your to-do list literally like the old-fashioned way? Um. I think it's a great thing to have a to-do list. I do not trust the brain. The brain is very cluttered. So um, however you want to do a to-do list, whether if you want to do it digitally or the way I do it, I take out a piece of paper and I write down whatever comes to my mind um, that I need to do. Today, I need to do this, 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 and that. And then I put a number next to it, Rick, because mm -hmm. if I need to provide something to a client, and the I promise the client that the client is going to get that today. So let's say it's a PowerPoint for a presentation or a document that I promised them, whatever it is, that's a 10. That's going to happen. And I don't care how. Come if hell I or high water. 
<laughs> exactly. If I said it's coming on Tuesday, that thing is coming on Tuesday. That's just how I am. But if I have on that list, for example, that I need to call my daughter's teacher and that can wait for tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you that needs to happen, but that's a four. Then I'm not spending my day doing the fours and the twos and the ones, which means the things that are lesser in urgency and importance first, I'm going to tackle my most important things first because Rick, the day can be unpredictable and somebody can come and interrupt my day. I need to make sure. And I usually do those things in the morning because this is when I have the most energy. I make sure those things are done and I make sure to prioritize. So when we talk about time management, we're actually talking about prioritizing. Now, maybe to finish up, I'd like to know more about what you started with, which was the two-second decisions. Um, most of what we've been talking about is planning out a day. A day could be, yeah. for most people, nine hours. For others, it could be, you know, fewer hours or even uh, more hours. Uh, if, if much of what we've been talking about involves planning, which, by the way, I think you're right on. If we don't plan our day, it'll be hard to accomplish our day. Of course. Then how do the two-second two decisions come into play? So two-second decisions come into play in various forms. So the first one is when you start your day and you plan your day, which I think is extremely important. You can do it the night before. You can do it that morning. I usually do it in the morning when I start. Um, you do need to give each task a number so that you know what matters the most. You can mm -hmm. take that highlighter and highlight the things that have to be done first. I have days, days, Rick, that I come back from a flight and I landed in the morning and I have this much energy. doesn't matter the time. It's not yeah. time management. It's energy management, focus management. And I say, I have a lot of things to do, but today I'm doing my tens only. And it's going to be three things. And no matter what, those things will get done. This is how you make sure that you focus on the most important things first. Hmm. By all means, the day continues things come up. You can ask yourself at any given moment, is this a 10 or a two? Should I be doing this right now or that right now as things come up? Just as a shortcut to the mind to focus on the most important things at any given time. Just reminding you, we're making 35,000 decisions a day. So the brain gets really, really tired. A lot of our decisions are automated. So just to be really mindful on focusing on what matters the most for your career, for your future, for your family, you can always ask yourself very quickly, what, what is this for me? Is this a 10, a two, a one? And you'll know from your gut hmm. what that number is for you. And you ask yourself, this is fascinating, and I'm glad you're bringing this to our attention because I think we all go through these moments and sometimes we can uh, go through these moments and put the moment off and then just say, ah, you know, I'm, I'm going to crack a beer and sit on the couch and watch a football game or I'm going to go and do something which may not be as important. That's not to say that sometimes we don't need to relax and do the things that make us happy. But right. we can we can stall, which is what we all do. I think some people would say it's per you know uh, pro, uh, procrastination instead. Oh, yeah. But how, how do you? How, I guess I have to ask that because if if you really do ask yourself that two second decision, as you call it, which I love, and you say in this two second, I'm going to ask myself this thing that I have to do. Is it really really important? And you say yes, it is being important. So you're going to get down yeah. to it. How do, you, how do you avoid saying it's important, but I don't feel like doing it or I don't have the gut or I fear it. I fear it because if I do it, there's a chance 
it may not turn out the way I want it to turn out. Well, now we're getting into the subject of of fear. And did you know, Rick, that fear of success is far greater than the fear of failure? So people are people fear success because they've never experienced it. Hmm. They don't know what it's like. Sometimes failure is a very comfortable place to stay in. And so if you have a cycle where you constantly lead yourself to failure, your problem is that you're going to lead yourself to the same place again. My passion is change. And change is all about How do we not repeat the same mistakes over and over again? So if you're the kind of person who is afraid of success subconsciously, you've never, Mm. you don't know what it's like to be a millionaire. You don't know what it's like to be successful. You don't even know what it's like to have money. Your comfort place is having no money and, you know, then ending up depressed, you know, in your home and and beat out and you sit and you scroll on TikTok or whatever and you waste your time. (laughs) So you're going to ask yourself, where am I going? And you know, Rick, sometimes the, the the simple thing is to ask yourself, what do I really want in my life? A lot of people don't ask themselves this very simple question. Do I want to just sit here and feel horrible and keep scrolling? Or do I want to make something of myself? Yeah. And if I want to make something of myself, what do I need to do to make it happen? What's a 10 for that right now? If I need to sign up for the yeah. class, if I need to read the book, if I need to make a phone call, if I need to fill in an application, get off the couch you know, and get out of your comfort zone of staying in the same place in your life and take the first step and do it. That's your 10. Action, action, action. Oh, yeah. Like they used to say in the old Hollywood sets, right? Yes. Action. Action. Maybe we have to remember that because that maybe could be the mental cue that can get us to act rather than popping a Budweiser and sitting on the couch and trying to worry about what we don't think we can accomplish or what we fear. That's great. Dr. Michelle Rosen, she is the change doctor. Her latest book is Two Second Decisions. If you want to reach out to her, she's at drmichellerosen.com. And as you can see, she's kind of a fireball and she's passionate about what she does. And you can tell when, when you talk to her and it's fantastic to be able to have Uh, this conversation. What we do here is the Rick Sanchez podcast. We uh, do this because we all need growth, Uh, you know, whether it's intellectual or uh, aspirational or inspirational. And and I think it's important this particular time, as we're being told we're heading into tough times in the coming year, that we uh, get as many tools and as many skill sets as possible so that we can engage them for ourselves to build value in ourselves. The more value you build for yourself, the more valuable you become, the better you become. And by the way, usually the more money you make. That's just the way it works. So not that it's about money, it's about value, but value can lead to money. So it's just so great to be able to talk to somebody who can share this with us. Uh, Rick Sanchez podcast, you can find it on Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. We love you. And uh, thank you, doctor, for uh, spending some time with us. Y como siempre digo, you know, like I always say, dale, andale, vamos con todo and con Latino attitude with latitude. Thank you. Love it. Thank you for having me. Agua. 